This is the 41st episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me, as always, are my excellent co-hosts, Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. To you, their listener, we would like to say thank you for tuning in and welcome. Hello, hi, how do you do? Hello, friends. Hope you're doing well. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found every week on a top deck app. In this week's episode, everyone will get some paper player ports, and that is a good thing, as the Easter holidays are approaching. Easter holidays for Swedish Magic players usually means GothCon, a large tabletop gaming convention that takes place annually during Easter. Of course, GothCon was covid cancelled in 2020 and 2021. Horrible. So the hunger for 2022 is real. We are going to talk about what decks to bring for this year, at least as it looks now. However, first up, some paper play. Robin, what have you been up to? I have been playing, testing a little bit of Delver at the local game store and doing quite mediocre, mediocrely so, I should say. I started out by losing to Manaless Dredge in two rather quick games. Hello, I only had one of Grafdigger's Cage and that was the only card that mattered. Then... I ended up winning against White and Red Dreadnought Painter and against Food Chain. In the final match, I lost to Mono Black Depths, mainly due to several missed triggers on the Dragon's Rage channel. Definitely felt a bit rusty there after not playing Delver since Modern Horizons 2, basically. It was a quite ordinary builds with two of Brazen Borrowers in the main to sort of hedge for the quite land-heavy meta that we have here in Stockholm. And I had also prepared with uh, quite a spicy sideboard, targeting not only the land-heavy meta, but also the many D&T players. But none of those cards could come in due to like the, how the pairings went. And then I did some testing the other day with Victor. I tested with 8 cast and a lands version that I like to call the pivot lands. So say, just say a few words on the pivot lands. So like online, like the uh, the 8 mulch lands deck have been tearing up the fair meta. And uh, like the lands cabal on the discord server is actually going the other direction towards 8 mulch. So like putting 8 mulches in your land deck improves the fair matchups by a lot. Like you're overloading with card draw and uh, speed of course from the mana bonds and just doing a bunch of zombies that is really hard to interact with. But like by putting those cards in your land deck you're losing out. Uh, you're copying, you're cutting the crop rotation and like your sideboard cards that are not lands. They are kind of bad with H mulch just to be honest and kind of bad to hold with the mana bond in play as well. So you're sort of giving up the the bad matchups a little bit with the eight mulch build. So the other lands player on the on the Discord channel they have been settling more and more on that the fair matchup can be won with just construct factory which is like a, acquired by copying a saga with a stage and then copying a basic land and then you can make a little construct each turn and they grow each other and you just overwhelm your opponent with that uh, and you have of course shadow spear to stabilize wasteland recursion and all of that 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 lands can provide uh, so what they have been doing is cutting like the card advantage cards like valkut exploration and sylvan library uh, you don't really need those. And instead you're moving in your sideboard cards into the main deck. 
giving more and better cards for your bad matchups and sort of better attacking the winner's metagame in, in some sense. So what I did was, in the pivot lands, I removed all the card advantage cards except for loams and threw in two sphere of resistances and two endurances, which are otherwise sideboard cards. And in that sense, you're a little bit stronger against the combo matchups and you also get to put more cards in your sideboard to target the bad matchups. So I, I, I'll let Victor talk a little bit more about what the testing actually turned out as, but uh, that was a little bit of, of the deck that I was trying out. How was your... No, no, b- before we move on, we're going to just do a quick shout out to uh, the metagame that you played against Manalus Dredged, Food Chain and Mono Black Deaths. Uh, yeah. I just want to recognize how fantastic uh, that is and how much I love Paper Legacy. It's beautiful. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, on the on the 8 mulch, I'm actually super excited because I've only seen the screenshots of the deck really popping off, uh, but I have yet to play against it. So I'm super excited to get super mulched <laughs> in a game because most of my decks, when I'm not playing combo, is pretty soft against that strategy. And it feels super scary if the if you don't have uh, the the usual payoff cards to force a will like like the sylvan library or exploration if if they're just if their payoff card is just like a mana bond uh, you don't feel great forcing that but i don't know it's a, it's a scary time we live in if you're a control player i guess i mean they are usually draw force for that deck because you play so few spells and that that's pretty strong but on the other hand it's just lands that they are drawing. So it, it depends on the context, I guess. I, I think that the deck is a little bit like the 8 waller deck, I should say. So, uh, Christopher, how was your testing this week? You know, I've been on a tear recently. I've been trying all of these tier 1 decks. You know, if you stuck around during the summer, I love to brew. So I decided to bring a brew for... Uh, the first day tournament with uh, some of the new hotties from Neon Dynasty. So I actually brought Bug Pox or Sultai Pox, if you prefer that. And uh, I'll just run down the list like pretty pretty quickly. It's it's quite a spicy build. I just wanted to play cards I really like and lose matchups like from left to right. I was just there to have a great time. So it's one Snapcaster Mage, <laughs> two Slogurk. Two Spellseeker, three Uro, four Mox Diamond, four Brainstorm, one Crop Rotation, two Ponder, one Raven's Crime, four Life from the Loam, four Smallpox, two Sylvan Library, two Witherbloom Command, two Grist. And the land base is super spicy, according to me. Like, maybe not that spicy, but for me it was because I was trying out really weird land package. So it's one Bayou, one Boseju who endures, one Field of the Dead. One forest, one island, one Caracas. Then I played, I think, seven or eight fetches. Caracas, Ottawara, one snow-covered forest, one snow-covered island, one snow-covered swamp. You know, for the field of dead, you gotta do what you gotta do. One Takenuma, abandoned mire, which is also one of the channel lands, which picks up a planeswalker or creature uh, from the graveyard to your hand, which can be pretty good in a loam and a pox deck. Two Trop, one Underground Sea, one Uborg, because sometimes you need to get that Raven's Crime really going, or you just want to 
ambush a smallpox on someone and for wasteland. So this deck, like, I just wanted to build a, a pox list with Spellseeker. I mean, it can get with the Bloom Command if you need to destroy a Needle, which is on Wasteland. It can get a Raven's Crime if you have Loam going, or it can get Loam. So there's a lot of like super interesting things you can do with it. And in the sideboard, you know, you'll find the usual suspects. There might be, uh, you like you can tailor this to whatever metagame you have. Like you can put some Veils, veils in there. It's great with the Spellseeker. You can put Discard Spells, Surgicals, like whatever you need. So it's, it's super interesting. But uh, as the report I'm about to share with you all will tell, I might, it might have benefited to at least goldfish this deck a bit before <laughs> jamming it. <laughs> but I still had a, a great time. So my round one opponent... I'm trying to I'm trying to go down memory lane and see what I played against. Can I just say in the meanwhile how beautiful it must be to play like turn one snow covered island ponder, turn two Urborg pox you. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> That's so out of nowhere. Like, yeah, like sometimes you just gotta do the things that make you yeah. happy. And uh, yeah, now I remember, I played against uh, a painter stoneblade variant in round one. <laughs> what the hell? And, uh, of yeah, and did. if it would have just, yeah, like if it just would have been painter or just stoneblade, that would have been easier. Mm. But um, <laughs> like stopping both of those things with my deck was pretty hard. And uh, I remember winning game two, but game three when I was like, oh, I think I'm stabilizing. I can take care of a grindstone. I can take care of a painter. This is going to work out fine. And they just jam a turn two Stoneforge and get Cauldra. And I'm like, okay, I just need to remove the Stoneforge and then I can smallpox. And my opponent just went on playing creature, creature. I'm <laughs> sitting there taking five, five. I get, I got to Ottawara the uh, germ token, but eventually I just died. Mm. <laughs> it was still like super fun games. Then I played against Mono Green Post and um, this was, uh, yeah, it's, it's rough for the post. I can tell you that. Like in game one, my opponent didn't know what was up. And uh, why why should he? <laughs> <laughs> has, has, has this player met you before? It was Wait, a new player, they... right? Ah, okay. Great to have them. Interesting that they got to experience Christopher Wikström on the first evening. <laughs> because then, then, they, then they did not know what to expect. Yeah, they actually... It, it was one of the new players I talked about uh, last week. I think I might have mentioned it. So it's super fun, like, uh, seeing new faces. But, uh, you know... You're trying to play all of these lands that comes into play tapped and stuff like that. And, you know, they got to needle, they got to needle my uh, wasteland after getting wastelanded quite a bit. Uh, but I was like, I'm pretty fine with that. I'll just spell seeker with the bloom command it away and <laughs> keep on wastelanding you. And uh, game, game two was extremely fun because my opponent, like, didn't want to concede. And I respect that. I got to do the whole like mox diamond wasteland you they play an elvish reclaimer i get to smallpox the last land and stuff like that eventually we get into a situation where i'm just i have a nine nine slow gurk wow. and uh, my opponent is hiding behind a glacial chasm and they have wasteland locked under a piffing needle but i'm like two can play this game so i of course eventually like with the bloom command it and then I start wasting his cloud post. He had two cloud posts and a glacial chasm. And I could hit for lethal, but my opponent didn't scoop. So I was like, I'm going to give you the royal treatment. <laughs> so I removed 
all of my opponents permanents and still didn't hit for lethal. Uh, I had a grist in play and everything. <laughs> and then I, I, my opponent was at one life. I brainstormed, plussed an Uro to the graveyard and passed the turn. And then I ultimated grist with one creature in the graveyard. <laughs> wow, you, you could have uh, let them die by their own chasma. Yeah, like they, they didn't have it. They, I wastelanded everything. Eventually. Oh, you just like, didn't uh, attack. But they, they didn't Could grist you for one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah but uh, but you know like we were having a lot of fun like uh, we were just laughing both of us like he hiding behind the glacial chasm oh so you're christopher ah okay uh, he's now never I coming see. that guy is never coming back to our local game store <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah no, 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 no. but it was it was great fun and uh, the, uh, like round after i'm i'm paired up against uh, one of the players who has been playing a lot of uh, breacher recently and this this is one of the matchups I did not want to play against because I'm I'm super light on removal and uh, like if if they resolve a day's undoing even if they don't have a Hullbreacher or Narset I'm I'm losing my graveyard and that's such an important uh, resource for me. But after like two pretty grindy games I I lost like uh, I got uh, Narset undoing in both games. But it was it was super interesting like. This deck can really solve a lot of threats on the battlefield. Everything from just, I, I had a pernicious deed in the sideboard, just removed mentors and all kinds of nasty stuff. But yeah, I think that matchup, especially with how I built the deck, it's not what you want to play against. Uh, I was just sitting there like the last four four turns of the game. I was just like, oh man, maybe maybe I built this a bit too greedily, but I'll stick by it. So moving into the last round, I'm 1-2. And I'm playing against Food Chain. And game one, I got to I, I get to do everything the deck wants. I, I get to, you know, my opponent can't have, like, any duel in play. I'm winning the Uro race. Like, we're both sitting with Caracas until I Wastelands his, finally. But, you know, for Food Chain, it's so crucial to get the Food Chain down in a deck like this. So you can... Just, you know, focus on your things. You can just try and make basic land drops until you can play a Scourge and put 12 power into play or something like that. But this deck is rocking like both Life from the Loam, Ottawara and Boseju. So like there was no opportunity for the opponent to do anything. I would just, if they would would have found a food chain, I would have just, yeah, I'll destroy it with the first creature on the stack. Then I'll recur it. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you find the second one, it's super rough. Hiding disenchants in your mana base is proven to be very strong. Yeah, I, I even wastelanded my own Ottawara late game Ooh. so that I would have all angles covered, sitting with like all mana. It was great. In game two, you know, we're doing a bit of the back and forth uh, resource game, but eventually my opponent sticks a food chain and gets uh, 12 power into play. And as you might have heard, this deck is not really... <laughs> built to take care of that maybe uh, you know i i do play some pernicious deeds like in the sideboard but it's not really enough against the uh, food chain when they when they get to do that and game three my opponent lucked out a bit but i'll respect it it was it was nice so imagine that you're you're playing against an opponent you get to wasteland them they get to basic island ponder and stuff like that and eventually go for caracas rest in peace and you're sitting there thinking, okay, my I, I do have ways to remove this, but my main resource is gone. So you take your draw step, you wasteland the Caracas and smallpox them out of any lands. So they're they're just sitting with a resting piece in play. 
and I have two cards left in my hand. It's a land and Slugurk. Uh, so I'm just thinking, okay, I'm just going to draw some cards and eventually get this Slugurk into play. My opponent from this, from this position with, I think, 15 lands left in the deck rips free off the top. Wow. And uh, yeah, and gets to play the Eternal Scourge. Nice. And then rips a food chain and then eventually like manipulate fate and uh, get all of the power in there. So I was like, oh man, but I poxed you. <laughs> I poxed you no, real hard. Slow Gurk to slow. Yeah, Slow Gurk. It doesn't grow either with that nasty rest in peace in play. But it was it was super fun. I went one and three and the the deck definitely needs some tuning. But I think now I've gotten play some spicy magic again. So now I'm I'm ready to head back into tier one, tier one point five land again. So we'll see what I bring on Thursday. I I haven't really decided yet. I think it's great that like the fish door deck, etc., is becoming sort of a legacy mainstay. It's becoming more of a mainstream deck. But I mean to me it's still so new that it feels like this weird brew meme can i actually get away with this type of deck and with that sort of entry point the most normal deck that any of you guys played for this entire evening is is mono green post i like <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is a <laughs> wonderful thing i actually do think like the the door deck it did have a time in the spotlight uh, like a super brief time in the spotlight right before modern horizons 2 yeah. yeah, it's true. It, I think a lot of people still played it because then it was like a super quote-unquote real deck. When Hullbridge was printed, right? Yeah, and a lot of people were just playing uh, Bant Breach. Or Breach Blade. Yeah, and now now I would say that Bant is probably the worst com- like uh, color combination for, for those cards. Like Esper doesn't see play, but I'd, I'd definitely say that Yes Guy or Grixis are better picks. Oh, for sure. The biggest pulls towards Bant is like cards like Uro and Sylvan Library. You don't really want to play Uro in your shuffle my, my hand and graveyard into my deck again kind of deck. But it's really, I, I think that Shell is, it's, it's pseudo, like we talked about this in the last episode, it's pseudo- splinter twin situation with you can play a deck that doesn't need to commit to anything but can just just destroy the game out of nowhere for a lot of people and i think that's just a super powerful effect especially in legacy if it's if it's possible due to free counter spells and good removal so yeah that was my bug box play review like I I could put a deck list up uh, in the show, like in, in our Discord later, so you can all laugh. But it, it was super fun. Like, if you're bored and you have these cards, like, try them out. You're going to have a lot more fun than your opponent, even if you're losing. This leaves us to our last boy. Victor, tell us about your paper play. Yeah, so I went over to Robin's house on the late Sunday evening to get some uh, adult time together. And as he mentioned, Robin brought his uh, pivot lands and the aid cost. And I had finally gathered all my resources for my 
2022 update of debt and taxes. So I figured I'm gonna let that go for a spin and uh, first uh, <laughs> sit down and shuffle up against eight cost. And I'm sort of having my doubts about how this is gonna go. And sure enough, in the first game, Robin plays a turn three Kappa Cannoneer, a turn four Kappa Cannoneer, and a turn five Kappa Cannoneer. And I'm sitting there with like, yeah, I have a, I have a Caldra complete, sort of, you know, with a on a germ token here. That's not blocking anyone. <laughs> sure, take thirteen. Yeah, I think in the second game, I go sort of, yeah, this is great, like land vile i have so much to do and it's a force of will and then just sort of eight costs snowball steamroll shenanigans game three i go like land vile yeah this is great 80 card deck still get to do it and sort of response with i think that was like robin goes like land pithing needle uh, on vile <laughs> I'm like okay thank you very much in the end i think that in taxes went one and five against robin's eight cost uh, the game i won uh, was of course uh, the most fun game for me but I think it was qualitatively the most fun game to sort of have watched as well because I landed an early peacekeeper and Robin you failed to find your dismembers so this this peacekeeper just sits there and you have a couple of Kappa cannoneers who are at what size can you tell our listeners there was like 28 counters on it or something like that. They were huge. <laughs> yeah, and there's Shadow thopters. Spear. 12 Thopters, just everything. Like one swing in like so many different combinations just gets me. But you keep digging as much as you can, never finding this member. So I eventually, paying for my Peacekeeper, I end up at a Violon 5, Caracas and some open lands. And I get to start to the Yorion dance. And I can pay for the ward and everything. So I actually win that game in the end. But it was, uh, it felt like, sure, I need to do some practice. Uh, I need to get reps in against the deck. I need to know what angles to, to fight against. But it really did not feel like, oh, I'm so favored here right now. Rather, it felt like the 8 cost deck will attack the death and taxes from several angles, really. And um, just I just couldn't keep up. It's just too fast, too quick, too much, too wide. Too wide and too fast. Yeah, it's a super fast aggro deck. So, like, I agree. Like, the most broken things that you can do is, like, a turn one while and then turn two Stoneforge grabbing Kaldra and, like, getting from the Ursa Saga getting a Shadow Spear so that you actually can gain life from the uh, Kaldra as well. And uh, that it's that those kind of starts that can possibly erase... 8-cast on a good draw, that is, of course. 8-cast can mull into oblivion as well, but uh, when it does its thing, it's so fast on the board and really hard to race with a fair deck. And also, deck playing Shadow Spear turned out to be a huge problem because Caldra being indestructible is sort of something you count on in, in that build, and all of a sudden, this equipment is just not indestructible at all. <laughs> so, because what you want to do is, and of course, you want to damage all the creatures that exiles them, just stay there. You can sort of, you can't block, you can't attack, it becomes this powerhouse. And you just have the Shadow Spear, none of that is valid anymore. And I really felt that as sort of a hole in the plan. <laughs> yeah, it's a good card in that deck for sure. 
And uh, like one thing that might have helped um, when you ended up in that stalemate, Robin, you're still not playing Ottawaras, right? No, I haven't gotten them. I, I was going to to purchase them on last Thursday, but then I, I was so eager to play a couple of games before the <laughs> event started. And then I was running up to the to like the, the store one stair up and it has just recently closed. <laughs> so I missed out on my Ottawaras. That was my mistake. Yeah, I think that's the card that has impressed me like I was talking about it when we did the Nian Dynasty card review and it's one of the cards that I was like yeah I'm really pumped about this card but it's been a lot better than I anticipated uh, because yeah, for sure the cost is of putting it in your deck is so low and having bounds for the germ token in that matchup for instance is just massive so I, I really think that it's a good pickup and it definitely makes the, that matchup scarier as well like you're thinking about your lines with uh, Yorion and you're taking your vial up and then yeah, you can just get Ottawarad uh, when it's at four or something like that like super annoying yeah I mean then we switched around so the attacks are still on my side and Robin instead picked up the pivot lands and uh, long story short the pivot lands made uh, rather short work of death and taxes as well I uh, won went one three i think again won the game the game i won was with the yorion dance uh, like once you get there if you're able to stabilize long enough and disrupt your opponent to land your yorion dance you're pretty pretty good from there because you have you're suddenly doing all the things and it feels like christmas land like i'm gonna bounce this exile those three cards in your end step i'm gonna sort of you you have all the things it's just like prison for days but usually with, with with the pivot lands what i felt happened was just that here are three constructs they're five fives they also have a spear with them what are you gonna do mm. and it felt a bit like that like what am i gonna do i'm gonna try and find source to pleasures somewhere in this 80 card deck but i'm still gonna take eight from these others it's rough. Some of the games we didn't really finish, you sort of scooped to me assembling the combo of uh, making yeah. constructs each turn. And and then there was some blowouts also with Shadow Spear and, and like yeah. uh, Force of Vigor, like exciting. Yes, uh, yes, yes. So. Force of Vigor is too good. I did one game manage to win by, sort of before, one on, on the way to assembling the combo. For me, I did put the Pithing Needle on planes. Yeah, that's true. Because you had Thespian Stage copied Ursa Saga and one of my basic planes. Yeah. So with a Pithing Needle on planes, that felt good. Beautiful. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> like never cost that before <laughs> no, nor have I but also I mean lands have always uh, not always but lands have often I think felt like a slightly difficult matchup for me it might be sort of not the best player on the planet but there was this one glorious like couple of months when you had Tomic Distinguished Advocate as the 2-3 super anti-lands card at some point but lands have changed so much since then that Tomic really isn't sort of what you want to be doing i think nor is it worth dedicating a slot to i guess because different taxes has been you know qualitatively heavily upgraded and i think that if i had gone with the taxes deck to the lgs and and faced this 
very diverse metagame. <laughs> I might have uh, come out with some more successes than playing against these two decks specifically because I think I've always struggled against them. And then we did a short couple of three games with Reanimator against Lance, which I think I should have won 2-1, but I punted our final game because I got too greedy and didn't expect Robin to draw another Endurance off the top. So I got lazy in my sequencing and that cost me the game. But that only goes to show how how vulnerable you are to, to punting your place with a combo deck like that. Like you have to, even though you're way ahead, because I had this Crystal Brand going, I was just really big. Robin had essentially nothing. Even though you're so far ahead, you can just lose the game from just not sequencing properly all through the match. Uh, which is uh, my mistake. Yeah, I, I I succeeded to put the map into play early so that I could fetch for Caracas, right? And then you drew a lot of cards and drew kind of poorly, didn't really draw the cards that you needed. I think had you drawn one of the Archons, for example, I think the game might have been over. But then I could like disrupt you when you tried to put the Magus of the Moon into play and then the Caracas could do its thing and from there I... I think I ripped the Ursa saga or something like that and started to make constructs. So. Well, w- when you got Grizzlebrand in play, I mean, greatness at any cost, of course you rip the cards. I would yeah. like, I, I rarely play Grizzlebrand, but when I do, I'm super irresponsible with my card draw. I'm just like, oh man. This is a control player's dream. Yeah, what, what you should do is like you should you should make every card draw count, like really savor mm. each of the seven draws every time you do that, and just like take <laughs> in what do I have in my hand? Because what I'm doing sometimes, and this was like it was pushing eleven thirty p.m. It was quite late as well. Mm. But I so just put fourteen cards in my hand, and I'd be like. This doesn't look as amazing as it should be. Mm. Um, I'll try and do this instead of sort of actually sort of thinking, what do I have to work with here? I mean, that's why you you say draw seven and then you draw one card seven times of the library, <laughs> not just like scoop seven yeah. cards up. Like no, you no, no, need no. Yeah, to yeah, get yeah. into the opponent's head. From the land side, I played against Reanimator quite a bit, and. Uh, you do have a lot of play with like the crop rotations for Bog and the Endurances, the Mazes, the Caracas. I, I think it's it it sounds like it's like Reanimator's matchup to just lose, but I think it's more even than that, actually. Yeah, I think the the Reanimator lands matchup in my mind more than many other of the matchups that I play kind of comes down to who is executing their game plan best and who is sort of who keeps their cool and basically basically you you are really rewarded in that specific matchup by playing really well and knowing your deck against your opponent because i made some really i played some really good games against lands and i played some really not optimal games against lands like for example at uh, the swedish nationals i remember the f- i faced lands in the second round and the first game i played poorly and got severely punished for it second game i played good and in the third game also played really good but he ripped like a third endurance or something and there was just nothing i could do about that that's just one of the cards that has really changed the dynamic in that matchup more than any other card from from lance like i've i've mostly been on the land side playing against reanimator but i haven't played lance since modern Horizons 2 or even before that and uh, playing against reanimator always felt like i was the buy because you know what are you like there is this uh, video of me playing lance uh, at the swedish nationals 2015 against a listener of the podcast right. uh, on stream 
and like I get completely demolished. Like I, I, I'm just sitting there like, oh man, I have a crop rotation. If they don't have, and it was like blue black, if they don't have a counter spell, if they don't have a discard, I can crop for bog and maybe get out of this. But then you just draw the bog because <laughs> you're a land stack. Of course you're going to draw the bog. But yeah, it's it, endurance is such an MVP now, and it makes that matchup a lot more interesting to watch. Also, because yep. I'm mostly watching those games, and it's uh, really interesting. Yeah, and it's sweet to put those sideboard cards in the in the main deck to have them even in game one, because that is the kind of game ones that you lose if you don't have those cards. As I said on top of the show, Gothcon is soon here and at least two of us are going this year. Spoiler, uh, I'm not going to go, I have to take care of a cat, among other things. But you guys are going to Gothcon if all goes well. So Robin, you are a native of the region, so we're going to start with you. What decks are you stashing in your luggage? I have mostly been playing lands and it costs recently, so... I think that is my best bets. Uh, I would also consider bringing like Turbo Depths, but I think that uh, Eight Cast and Lance are probably the deck that I feel most like secure bringing. But I haven't really decided actually. Uh, but I I'm going to put most of my testing into those two decks from now on, preparing for the tournament. What about you, Christopher? What are you um, looking at? I'm a pretty simple person when it comes to a lot of these tournaments and you know i do have a pet deck which is aleran chances are even if the deck doesn't feel great and if i even if i haven't put a lot of testing or tuning into it it's probably what i'm gonna bring because i just love playing the deck you know i rather go to a tournament with a deck i really love and completely bust out than playing something you know that is strong and i have performed good with but, you know, sometimes uh, you just got to play what you really enjoy. And for me, that's Aleran a lot of times. And I've been looking at, I've been looking at you know, uh, 60 cards uh, again, uh, going to straight bug. And uh, there are some really sweet ideas that I'm looking at right now. Still rocking that uh, Living Wish package. Because now you do have uh, Boseju to get with Living Wish as well, which can be pretty neat in certain scenarios. But uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm, I'm bringing Aluren in some shape or form. I just love that deck. So we should probably set up uh, like uh, a blue and red Delver deck and Fish Door deck and just make sure that we can beat those two matchups and we'll be doing good with our decks, I think. <laughs> yeah, what's the blue-red Delver matchup for your decks and the Fish Door deck? Let's take those two. What do you, what do you think about those two decks uh, if you were to bring the decks that you just mentioned, Robin? I mean, you always say I'm favored against Delver, <laughs> and then you are not. But <laughs> I, I have actually felt favored against Delver with both eight cast and with uh, Lance. If you like, especially if you tune the Lance to sort of beat Delver with blasts, endurances, and all of that in the board, I'm I'm fine with that matchup. I'm um, way more hesitant about the Fishdor matchup 
especially with uh, with eight casts, which I have had a lot of troubles with, and I haven't really tested any of my like sideboard dukes yet to see if they are effective enough. So that's like one of the things that I would really want to try before going to Gothcon with eight cast. Like eight cast is a little less easy to hate out now that Kappa like is a is a standalone threat that doesn't get just whooshed away with uh, with like uh, meltdown but uh, like that that deck has still been really troublesome for me yeah for sure and like like you said i don't think it's unreasonable to say that like both of those decks have a strong delver matchup and i think that's one of the appeals for a lot of players because one is just like a super efficient chalice deck and the second one is just has has like i can't remember when lands had problem against delver i mean Deathrite shaman was annoying because it ate your punishing fires and loams and stuff like that but it wasn't really uh, like it wasn't terrible like i I did play quite a bit of lands during death right and it's annoying but not really a problem i think ragavan was a bigger problem weirdly enough just due to the extra treasures they got but i would still be shocked if the matchup was uh, like unfavored during ragavan just your ordinary plan of beating delver with wastelands and tabernacle would just became a lot worse so i think it's it's not a stretch but the fish door is probably pretty reasonable against both of the those decks like eight cast definitely has some problems when they resolve a hull breacher and you're yep. uh, like looking at all your core draw spells and um, yeah for me i i think my delver matchup with alern is pretty medium like uh, i think delver is favored and uh, i think it's very hard to build Aluren to beat specifically delver because it's super efficient deck and you're playing a, a four mana enchantment that you're trying to win with but a lot of the games you win with that deck is more in the lines of you doing uro things and uh, grist things and uh, just blocking like playing all of your death touch flyers and uh, abrupt decaying uh, channelers so they don't get like pseudo card advantage of uh, surveils and stuff like that but i would still say like yeah alern uh, has has problems against uh, delver i think the matchup was better during ragavan because you could play uh, the yorion build which had even more air if they hit with Ragavan, mm. than uh, the 60 card version where a lot of the cards matter. Like, sure, there there's a lot of air there as well. But when you're playing the 80 card version, you're already trying to play a longer, slower game. And like, yeah, they might hit Abundant Growth. They might hit a Prismatic Ending and stuff like that. But those are like super not great against uh, Aluren if if you get to cast them. But I do think that the fish door matchup is okay actually. I I don't I'm not super scared about it. Like uh, it's always scary, to, you know. They can play a hull breacher in response to some of your shenanigans and Teferi is never fun to play against if you're a creature based combo deck. But uh, like especially since Harpy Uro and stuff like that stops working with uh, Teferi in play. But I, I still think like you have the case for a lot of things and you're both like they are trying to do this unfair thing which gives them a lot of cards and a lot of mana. And you're trying to do this unfair thing 
which wins the game and when none of the decks <laughs> yeah like it it uh, like sure like drawing seven and getting seven treasures usually wins the game as well but getting there as an alert player if if your game plan doesn't work out you're not sitting at as much air as the uh, mm, as mm, the mm. other decks are you're still playing like Leovolds or Strixes and stuff like that and drawing things. I'm just going to give you perhaps what would be something that people heading out to Gothcon, I mean Easter is about what a couple of weeks ago from now. One tournament they might be looking at is the recent uh, 5k that happened at the SCGCon in Indianapolis uh, over the this past weekend where the top 8 is Blue Delver beating uh, Hidetsugu Grixis Control in the finals. Cool. Then you had Elves and 8 Cost in the semis. And then you had Burn, 8 Cost, Delver, Delver. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so a lot of the top 8 here is just Delver and 8 Cost. Yeah. And that might be something that people might take notice of. And there's a lot of Delver in the top 16 as well. I can, uh, if I see here, there's one reanimated deck sneaking in at 16th. But isn't isn't it true, like, no continent loves Delver more than America? That is true. This is true. This is true. I think, of course, I think uh, true. Americans really love Delver. And uh, I think some of the absolute best Delver players are from, like, the US as well. Yeah. It's, uh, I think uh, there are... There are many big names playing at tournaments like these or like Delver grinders. And I I do think also that that matters a lot. Like the Swedish meta is, uh, and like the European meta uh, is, uh, in my opinion or experience, uh, quite slower. Like it's a lot mid-range and control here. Yeah, I agree with that. I think also it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that some of the best legacy players are also in America. So perhaps they're onto something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, um, my friends, that is all we have for this week. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed this episode as much as we have enjoyed recording it. If you'd like to show, tell a friend you think that should listen. And if you want to say hi to us or suggest something for the show, join the Discord server. You can find a link in the episode description. Also, if you are going to the GothCon, indeed join the Discord and let Robin and Christopher know that you will be there so you can say hi and slap them a high five. In addition to the Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter. We are there under at STHLM Legacy, Stockholm Legacy. We are also present personally on some social media. Robin, where can our listeners find you? On the Discord server. You can find me there as well, but also at Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, man. <laughs> at uh, monolithmtg. I am also on Twitter under at Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 41st episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Warm thanks to you for listening. The great Frönes has written our music. You can find their work on Spotify. And until next time, a good place to start in goth would be Bauhaus, Joy Division and the Sisters of Mercy.